Welcome to Journey Church Podcast. It's great to have you with us. Here at Journey, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So whether you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend's worship experience. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. We hope you enjoy the message. All right, hey, if you have a Bible, I want you to turn to the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 30, verse 1 through 6. We're going to read it, we're going to pray, then you can have a seat. 1 Samuel, right after we pray. 1 Samuel, chapter 30, verse 1 through 6. It'll be on the screen if you don't have it. It goes like this, 1 Samuel, chapter 30, verse 1 through 6. David and his men reached Ziklag on the third day. The Amalekites had raided the Negev and Ziklag. They had attacked everyone else in it, both young and old. They killed none of them, but carried them off as they went on their way. Verse 3. When David and his men reached Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. David's two wives had been captured, Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. Verse 6, David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him, each one bitter in spirit because their sons and daughters were taken as well. But David, somebody say but. But David encouraged, say with me, himself in the Lord his God. I'm going to read that one more time. But David encouraged, say it with me, himself in the Lord his God. Then he said to Abiathar the priest, bring me uh, the ephod. I want to talk about the power of encouragement today. And the title of today's talk is Put It On. Bow your heads. I want to pray with you and ask God to fill our time together. God, we love you. So grateful for our time. Thank you so much all that you're doing, all that you've done, all that you will do, we just ask that your Holy Spirit would come into this place, open our eyes, open our ears, open our hearts, speak to us, and just just begin to change us and transform us so that we can look more like Jesus, but, but also, God, so that we can live better lives, so we can do better at work and do better in our families and do better as moms and dads, husbands and wives, do better as employees and employers. We love you. In the beautiful name of Jesus Christ, everyone says amen. 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 Have a seat. Have a seat. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, worship team. Come on, give it up for our worship team. Doing a great job every Sunday. So grateful for them. So this is our second worship experience, man, and we are already having the technical difficulties. Give some noise for Jesus for technical difficulties, amen? Yeah, that's good. I love them. I tell our team, uh, you know you're doing something right uh, when you face opposition, and so you guys don't notice, but... Me in the front row, I'm like, why wasn't that light on? And why wasn't that? So uh, it always makes me you know, feel good that uh, we're doing something right because that means uh, somebody's trying to uh, stop us. And so, but God is bigger and we're so great. So. Encouragement. How many people understand? Raise your hand if you know firsthand the power of encouragement. You've ever been encouraged by somebody? Yeah. Encouragement is so key, man. Um, I believe if you say the right thing to the right person at the right time, you can get them to do anything. I mean, just think of any sports movie you've ever seen, right? The team is down by 30 points at the half, and the coach busts into the locker room. They're bigger. They're stronger. They're smarter. You're losing. 
Well, what they don't know is that you got a heart, right? It's always heart. <laughs> they're bigger, they're stronger, but you got heart. All the good the heart does, right? Yeah, we're down by 30. Uh, but somehow they come back to win the game. Uh, 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 the right word at the right time could even be in the midst of a national tragedy. Uh, the first thing that comes to my mind is FDR on uh, the bombing of Pearl Harbor, a day that will live in infamy and the nation rallied around and entered into World War II, and, and, uh, but a terrified nation received energy and encouragement. Same thing on 9-11. I lived in, in New York when the towers fell down, and I'll always remember uh, Bush, regardless of where your political uh, sides may fall, but Bush sitting in front of the rubble uh, when one guy shouted out to him. He said, I can't hear you, because he was speaking with a megaphone. Anybody remember that scene? And he says, well, I can hear you, and the whole world can hear you, and the people who knocked down these buildings will hear us all soon. And and I remember as a New Yorker, just regardless of whether you were a Democrat or Republican or independent, just feeling what was a discouraging moment kind of flipped into an encouraging moment. And I've never led a nation or a Division I football team, but I also have experienced the power of encouragement on a weekly basis because while I don't have those type of responsibilities, um, I do have to prepare a talk uh, every week uh, to people, some who I know will love me regardless, like my family and friends, and strangers who I, I hope to get to know you, but I don't know a lot of you. And so while I'm getting ready for this talk, I'm thinking, man, are they going to like it? Are they going to like me? Are they going to not like me? Is somebody going to walk out like in the middle because I can't handle that? And every week, guys, this is the true story. Even last week, every week, uh, Friday night, I, uh, I, 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 I find my source of encouragement, my wife, I find her, and it's usually at the kitchen table or in bed somewhere, and I'm like, it's not going to work. It's going to be bad. It don't make no sense, and it doesn't. I don't even know if it's biblical. God help me. And just, you know, just crying. And she's like, go ahead, tell me what you, and, you know, and, she, and she's just, I love my wife. She is like my number one encourager. Honestly, one time I was preaching on encouragement, and as I went up, that became an illustration for the whole sermon. I was like, oh, my wife just texted me. This is real, y'all. Encouragement is powerful. It works. Uh, just for the, for the wives out there, you need to know just how powerful uh, your words are uh, for your husband, just so you know that. You can, if you tell, you want your husband to throw out the trash, encourage him. And some of y'all are like, well, that's what I do. I tell him he's a no good, forgetting fool, <laughs> and I tell him to throw out the trash. Well, that's not really what I was thinking about when I said encouragement. Um, you know, you need, to, you need to tell him things like, honey, you are so strong. My God, those biceps. My God, those trapezoids. I, I bet you could. I bet, I bet you could. I bet you're so strong. You could pick up that black plastic bag right now if you wanted to. I'm not kidding. You try it. He's going to be like, I think I can. You like that? You like that? I know you like that. You know, just encourage. I'm just saying. My wife's encouragement for me is like spinach to Popeye. I just, I can do anything uh, when she speaks life. Uh, in Timmy. And, uh, and just so you know, uh, I don't think we can really go without encouragement. I'm a big believer. I, I think encouragement is the gas tank of your soul. I really believe that. Uh, I think you get somebody around you, again, to say the right things, you keep going. And that's why it's so important to come to church, guys. Because, you know, I could, I could uh, watch a sermon on TV and I can listen to music on my phone. Uh, but community and encouragement, sometimes you need to be in a community for that to happen. That's why it's so important to get into a small group. We've got small group signups in the back. That's why we hug you at Journey Church, okay? We do a lot of hugging here. And yeah, it's awkward. But you know what? Your TV can't hug you and your iPhone can't hug you. So we're going to give you the one thing that we know you can't get from technology, a hug. 
a good Christian hug, hopefully not a too long hug, okay, because then we don't do that, okay, just Christian hugs you get here, and, um, and it's important, but what I really want to talk about today is what happens when you're running out of gas and there's no gas station in sight? What happens when your small group is shut down, when church is closed that Sunday, when your best friends got new best friends or you ain't got no friends and there's no one in your life to give you the extra push? What happens when you lose every source of encouragement? What do you do then? What do you do? How do you keep going when there's no one around you to keep you moving in your direction uh, in life? And that's what I love about the story of David. David here, because if you're new to the Bible or new to this story, you might think this guy's just having a really bad day. But on a deeper level, there's actually a story of a man who's being stripped of every level of encouragement, of every source of encouragement in his life. Let me give you uh, his background. First off, David started off a very famous person, a national war hero, and the crowds loved him. They used to chant his name in the streets. The Bible says they would sing songs about him as he walked down the middle of the road like a Disney movie. Just, just people just dancing and just singing about him as he, was, as he was walking down the streets. But the king got jealous, put a ransom out on David, and all of a sudden the people who were cheering for him were trying to assassinate him. Now, that's important for you to know because what I'm trying to say is you can't count on encouragement from strangers. And you might say, well, that's not a problem because I'm, I'm not a famous person. Well, you might not be a famous person, but I do think it is a problem for you and for me. If it wasn't, we wouldn't spend so much time stalking the comment sections of our social media posts. You know what I'm saying? Uh, because sometimes complete strangers will say, oh, I love your hair in that post. And you're like, he loves my hair. Who is that? Let me click on that button. Who is that? Was, oh, oh, my goodness, he just followed me. She followed me. Just follow me. That is so cool. And it gives us life. But let me just tell you, be careful because if a stranger can give you life, a stranger can also kill you. Be careful because you give somebody the power to lift you up, you also give them the power to break you down. I can't control your opinion of me, but I can control whose opinion I care about. And so be sure that you care about the right people's opinions and not the wrong people. And so, you know, uh, fame and, 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 and strangers' uh, approval, that's good, but you can't count on that as a source of encouragement. You can lose it. How about friends? Well, David had a best friend. His name was Jonathan. But Jonathan was also the son of the king. And so when the king found out that Jonathan was helping David, the king threw a spear at Jonathan, put him on house arrest, told him you can't be with friends with David anymore. So you can't really count on encouragement from friends either because sometimes friends leave. Sometimes friends move. Sometimes friends get married. Friends are not always going to be there. They're always going to be there to pick up their phone. And so they might not always be there. And so, you know, you can't count on friends. And, and David's, and this is where we enter into David's story right now, uh, because he also, once he started on the run, joined the army of the enemy that he was fighting against. And they started encouraging him, which was really weird. I think God's lesson in that is sometimes you can receive encouragement from an unlikely source, you know, like the teacher who was giving you a hard time is the one who writes your recommendation letter or the boss who's been really writing you is the one who ends up promoting you. And that's all good. But unlikely sources are also unreliable sources. And so the enemy that accepted David and was encouraging him actually fires him right before we get into the story because they're about to fight the Israelites. And 1 Samuel chapter 30 is where we enter. There is nobody left to encourage him. David has lost his fame. David has lost his friends. David, even the unreliable source is gone. And he's on his way home to go to what has historically been told to us as the one source of encouragement that will always be there for you. Who? Your family. Right? I know when I have a bad day, I just want to get home and hug my baby. My youngest baby. I love both my kids, but my oldest one's a little older now. My youngest one, he's still a baby. He's got the cheeks and the booty and the other things, you know. It just goes, I just want to bite him. I just love my son. 
Uh, I don't know why I want to bite them, but it's just, you know, if you're a parent of a baby, you know what I'm talking about. I just want to bite them. And so I just love them. I, so I get them and I, and I hug them and I love them so much. And no matter what my day is, I'm, I'm, I'm fine after that. So I'm sure David is going on the way home and he's thinking, oh, I just can't wait to bite my baby. It's been a tough day. I can't wait to go talk to my Liz and put my head on her lap and cry. But when he gets to Ziklag, this is where we enter in the story, guess what? All his babies are gone. And all his wives are gone. He's lost even his family is no longer in the picture. And so now he's got no fame. Now he's got no friends. Now the enemy's not even encouraging him. And now he's got no family. And he turns to the one people that are still supposed to be there for him, his army. He turns to his army and he says, hey, guys, thank you for being there, man. You guys always have my back, right? I mean, we've been through stuff together. We fought wars together. We slept under the stars together. We sucked poison out of each other's legs together. We did these things. I don't know if that's in the Bible. It's not. But it's definitely not. But imagination. Anyway, um, I know somebody who served with someone in the Navy. They're still best friends to this day. They spend every Christmas together. Something about the bonds of war that tie people. But even his army, he turns to his army, and even his army looks at him. And after he's crying, he says, hey, man, they took my kids. And they're looking at me, and they go, yeah, man. And they pick up a rock. They took our kids, too. Verse 6 says they wanted to stone David, throw rocks at him, kill David. Now he's really alone. Now he's really alone. Nobody's there to encourage him. Nobody's there to lift him up. He's over in the corner acting just, he's just distressed. And he turns now really to the only two people, the only two voices that are left to speak life into him. And I want you to know when every voice around you speaks negativity into who you are, there's only two voices you can ever truly, ever really fully no matter the circumstance, count on. And that's the voice of your father and the voice of yourself. This is what he says in verse 6. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking to stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord. I love that word, but. Say but with me, but. But. I love that word, but. Fix your minds. Love that word. At first, it really didn't hit me, but then I brought myself back into my circumstance with my son, my four-year-old, and my two-year-old, and my three-year-old. Whenever I want to do something, like punish my son because they did something bad, how many parents can relate? It's like, it's like, you shouldn't hit your brother. Go to your room. And then my little son's like, but, 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 but the sun is down. And you're like, what does that have to do with the fact that you assaulted your brother? It doesn't matter what the punishment. Guys, you need, to, you need to go to bed. You need to go to bed and stop talking. But, but, but the chocolate is in the milk. And you're like, what are you talking about? But, but, but God loves me. What are you talking about? You know what they're trying to do? They're trying to change the conversation with their butt. I want you to know, listen. When all the voices around you begin to speak negative, I need you to know that you have the power to change the conversation. And that's exactly what David did. He changed the conversation in his mind. They said, yeah, you say this, and you say this, and you say this, but if you're not there for me, guess what? I'm going to encourage myself. I want to talk to you this morning about encouraging your self, because I like to think that there are people in our lives that God puts in our lives to encourage us, and that really... 
most of the times we're not receiving encouragement isn't because there's nobody there, but because we don't ever want to put ourselves out. So for example, when I say sign up for small groups in the back, there's people in here who are like, yeah, that's cool. There's people in here who are like, yeah, that's weird. Um, I'm not going to go do life with people that I don't know, but you're the same person who complains about not having anybody in your life to share with. You know what I'm saying? Oftentimes we're the guards of our own prison cells. You, you know what I'm saying? And so, and so you have to put yourself out there. But I'd be a hypocrite and a liar if I didn't tell you, yes, sometimes, guys, sometimes there are seasons in our lives where there really just is no one. There truly is no one. What do you do when there's really no one around? You encourage yourself in the Lord. And I'm going to tell you how to do that uh, today. Uh, the first thing you need uh, is a mirror. How many people have a mirror at home? Raise your hand if you have a mirror at home. Okay, if you're not raising your hand, how do you get dressed in the morning? And so I'm going to, uh, and so I'm going to make this real practical for you guys. We're going to, yep, come on right out. And so I'm going I'm to do this with you, okay? I'm going I'm to work with you uh, this morning. Gosh, I hope this works. Yeah, come out here. Come right here. And so I'm going to teach you how to encourage yourself uh, this morning by using the story uh, in David's uh, this worked at home. If it doesn't work now, we're just going to. And so here's the, here's the first thing you need to do if you're taking notes. And if you got a worship guide today, which I know you did, uh, in the back it says notes. Grab a pen and begin to follow with me, okay? Let's see if this works. Does this work? Come on. Okay, the first thing you need to do is talk back to yourself. Talk back to yourself. Now, notice I said talk back to yourself and not talk to yourself because yourself is already talking. You got to be ready to talk back. Yourself is already telling you things like, you're not going to get the promotion. Yourself is already telling things, things you like, uh, you're never going to get married. Yourself is already telling you things like, don't start that business. And so you need to learn how to talk back to yourself when yourself starts talking to you. You know, there are things that we take from ourselves that we would never take from a stranger. Like, could you imagine if a stranger came up to you at the bar? I don't, I don't, if you went, I don't. <laughs> and was like, and was like, hey man. How you doing? And you're like, cool. He's like, ha, ha, I just saw you from the other side. And you're like, yeah. And he's like, you look like a guy who has no future. <laughs> After you deck the guy, right? Well, you're a Christian. Don't do that. After you get mad at the guy, then you, then you argue with him, right? You argue with them. You present the evidence. What do you mean I have no future? I graduated from college. I've been successful at every job I have. I have the sickest five-year plan. Come at me with my I know future. I got a future. Get out of here. And then you say, you don't know me. Get out of here, right? But, but, but if our self tells ourself we have no future because you didn't get the job that you put the application in for, all of a sudden it's like, I got no future, man. No fight. Just accept it. Or ladies, imagine if your friend, if a stranger came over to the house and was like, hey, I just saw your husband outside mowing the lawn. And she's like, yeah, isn't he great? He's like, yeah, I don't think he loves you anymore. You'd be like, excuse me, you don't know me like that. My husband loves me, okay? He kisses me every morning before he goes off to work. He massages my corns, okay? You don't know. My husband, he loves me a lot. Yeah, you don't know me. But, but if you're in bed one night and he forgets to put his arm around you,
Somebody, some guy just clapped. <laughs> Don't do it. You're going to get in trouble. You're going to get in trouble. Don't. All of a sudden, yourself tells you, your husband don't love you anymore. And you're like, I know, dang it, you don't love me no more. What happened? It's like, like a wait, what happened? Right? Listen, why do you not fight with yourself like you fight with other people? Can I tell you why? It's because you think, well, if me is telling me something about myself, then it must be true because nobody knows me better than. But that's a false assumption because I know somebody who does know you better than you. The one who made you. The one who made you knows you better than anyone else. Does anybody know how many hairs they have on their head? There's one bald guy in the back like. <laughs> I do. <laughs> but you know the Bible says that the Lord has every hair on your head numbered? Like if I were to go like this and I'd be like, that was a hair. God would be like, no, that was number 10,486, to be exact. <laughs> God knows you. And so don't accept from somebody else. If somebody tells you something that God himself has not told you, you call that person a liar, even if that person is yourself. And argue with yourself and present the evidence. Listen, when you get up in the morning and you start to, and I need to tell you this, it's not just your thoughts and your mind that you need to argue with. Sometimes you need to argue with your emotions. Sometimes I wake up in the morning and you would think by looking at my face that I was born a Ugandan orphan, blind and, de and deaf, like with one leg, okay? I get up in the morning sometimes and I'm like, my wife's like, good morning. I'm like, is it? Is it really good? Just like, and you too, right? But, but, but why do you, and you just accept that. Don't accept the emotion you woke up with. If the emotion you woke up with is not the emotion you want to have throughout the day, argue with yourself and present the evidence. You need to look at yourself in the morning and begin to present. Why are you, this is what David did. I love this, what David did. Can you go Psalms 50, is it 43? Psalms 43. Psalms, Psalms 43, 5. Why my soul, this is David the guy, why my soul are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Some of you guys need to look at yourself in the mirror, and when you wake up in the morning, why are you so depressed? Why are you so down? And present the evidence. You got breath in your lungs. You got kids. You got a roof over your, over your head. You got a job. It might not be the best job, but it's a job. And you got a car. And the AC might be broke, but it drives. And, and, and there are people who love you. And you got a wife. And she's beautiful. And, and some people don't even have a wife. And who cares if she doesn't cook the best? She loves you. You could be eating out of a can of soup right now, but she loves you. You need to argue with yourself and present the evidence. Your life is not as bad as you think it is, and you have no excuse to be as depressed as you are. That's the truth. You got to be ready and willing to talk back to yourself. When yourself tells you something and you feel depressed and you feel down, you need to bring the evidence to yourself and convince yourself, no, I refuse to accept that I'm going to argue with that. So that's the first thing. You got to do that. That's what David did. David talked back to himself. And this is the second thing you got to do. And David this, did this too. You got to remember. You probably can't see this. This is more for me than you, I guess. Remember what you've been through. Remember what you've been through. I, uh, I want to talk about this, this thing called the, 
called the ephod. You know, in verse 7, David looks at Abiathar, the priest, and he says, bring me the ephod. But before I go into what this ephod thing is, I want to give you the context of the ephod because uh, the context of the ephod gives us some insight into the conversation going on in David's mind. 1 Samuel chapter 21, this particular ephod, chapter 21, verse 8 uh, through 9. This is the ephod that David said, bring me the ephod. In verse 7, he said he encouraged himself, bring me the ephod. Why the ephod? What's the connection with the ephod and encouragement? Listen to this. First Samuel 21, this is the story of this particular ephod. David was on the run. He was just leaving. The king just put out the assassination hit, the ransom on David. He starts running, and he needs a weapon. And so he goes to the, to the priest at the time, Ahimelech, and he asked him for a weapon while he's on his way running. David asked Ahimelech, don't you have a spear or a sword here? I haven't brought my sword or any other weapon because the king's mission was urgent. Verse 9. The priest replied, the sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom you killed in the valley of Elah is here. It is wrapped in a cloak but behind the ephod. If you want it, take it. There's no sword here but that one. David said, there is none like it. Give it to me. You see, Abiathar, the guy who gives David the ephod, was Ahimelech's son. Ahimelech gets killed here for helping David. And when Ahimelech gets killed, he passes the ephod down to David, which means that the sword that David either has in his hand or the sword that is behind the ephod that Abiathar takes away is the sword of Goliath. Why is that significant? For those who don't know the story, David as a teenager, there's a giant that comes to attack Israel, and David comes against them, and David kills the giant. His name was Goliath. He was about eight, nine feet tall. Kills Goliath, kill, uh, chops off Goliath's head with his own sword, and then takes the sword with him home. Gangster. Just takes the sword with him him home. Why? Why take his sword? Why not take his spear? David didn't need it all. David just needed a memento. David just needed something to remind him of the giants that he's beaten in his past. Now, if you were to go into my garage, you would find a box called keepsakes. And you would look at that box and you would see trash in that box. But for me, it's not trash. Yeah, for me, there are three things in there that are very important to me. A napkin covered in oil, a branch, and a Darth Vader mask. Yeah. Now, I'm not going to go into the story. I'll save that for another sermon. You come back next week, I'll tell you about the Darth Vader mask, okay? But <clears throat> that's how I get you. That's how I get you. <clears throat> but I wouldn't trade that for anything. You know why? Because each one of those items was something that remind me of a battle that I fought, of three of the biggest battles I've ever fought in my life, and I won. When David, asked, when David was discouraged and David was depressed, he looked at the sword that was sitting behind the ephod, the sword in his hand, and he said, you know what, they're against me now, but I've been through worse. But I fought bigger things than this before. And if he got me through it before, he's going to get me through it again. Especially if you've lived a long life. But look at you. You're here today. Can you imagine all of the things you had to get through to be here today? And if you're here, isn't that evidence enough that he's going to keep bringing you through? you got to be able to look at the sword. Look at the times in your life, the battles that you've won, and draw encouragement. you got to look at yourself in the mirror and say, come on, I know this is hard and I know this is difficult, but remember what you've been through. Remember the breakup of 94? 
Do you remember the breakup of 94? You thought it was over. You thought you'd be single. But then came JJ of 2006. What? That's just right here, my wife and me. That's just me. <laughs> I'm sorry. I have a conversation with my woman. Um, remember. Remember the, 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 the build, the mortgage of 2005? Remember the chemotherapy of 2011? Remember the sickness in 2012? Remember the C-section of 2013? Remember, remember, if he brought you through the last thing, he's going to bring you through this thing. You need to argue with yourself. Why would God change now? He's brought you this far. He saved you this much. He's healed you this far. He's not going to stop now. He's not going to stop now. He brought you this far. He's going to keep bringing you. Don't forget. Don't let yourself forget the things that God has brought you through, man. Because, because if you do, it's like, that's just like, you're starting from scratch. You made it. Congratulations. You're here. This is the evidence. You win at the end. Remember. So you got to tell yourself sometimes you got to remember uh, what, you've, what you've been through. Remember what you've been through. Okay. Third thing you got to do, and it happens here, when he puts on the ephod, there's a, there's a significance behind the ephod. If you're taking notes, you got to understand, understand who you are. Yeah. Understand who you are. I am covered in white, whatever this is. Understand you too. <laughs> Understand who you are. I was listening to, a, so, so David puts on the ephod, right? I'm going to get into this ephod in a little bit. The ephod is, uh, well, I'll get into that now. The ephod was a priestly garment. It had 12 precious jewels on it, each one representing one of the tribes of Israel, very valuable, made of gold, precious jewels. It was not something you would wear, you know, like to Walmart. Like it was super nice and it had a purpose and it was to talk with God and specifically its main purpose was to get into God's presence and and here's why I think David put it on. I think David put it on because David had to remind himself of who he was. It wasn't, it wasn't an acknowledgement of his circumstances, but it was an acknowledgement of, of the value uh, that David had. I, 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 I work out. I know it doesn't look like it. Don't judge me. But um, oftentimes, I, oftentimes I, uh, before I, I, I go into my last, anybody lift, anybody lift weights? Okay. Five people, God help America, okay? Um, so if, if, you, if you ever try to lift a heavy weight, I heard one person tell me, he said, it's all in your mind. I was like, that's a lie, bro. It's all on that bar right there is what it is. And he's like, no, nah, man, you got to tell yourself, I'm strong. I was like, I'm strong. <laughs> he's like, you got to tell yourself, I'm big. I'm big. You got to tell yourself, I'm tough. I can lift it up. Uh, can I tell you that, 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 that didn't work for me, okay? There's just too much weight um, on the bar. But the truth of the matter is, listen, when you start understanding who God says you are and stop believing what other people say you are, something happens in your life. There is an encouragement that, that comes into your life. There is a, 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 a second breath, a second wind. And I just, I just went into the Bible because I feel like I needed to remind you of who you are. When David puts on the ephod and when David puts on the jewels, here's the thing about the ephod. Only the priest could wear it. Only the man of God could wear the ephod. Only the priests. But David puts it on in the scriptures. 
somehow. And he doesn't get killed for it. Because in the Old Testament, when you did something like that and you broke a rule, you used to get killed for it. But David didn't get killed for it. It was like God gave him VIP treatment. And he didn't put the ephod on in private. He put the ephod in front of everybody who was there. You know what David was telling everybody? who was looking at him, who wanted to kill him, when he came out with that ephod that only the high priest could wear, in our words today, he was saying, back up. You don't know me. You don't know who I am. Look at this. Do you see me? Okay, just a reminder. I'm not your average person. I'm special. You think I'm alone, but I'm not alone. God hears me. Watch this. Get me the ephod. Puts it on and begins to talk to God. I need you to know today that you're not the average person, that you're a special person. You're a unique person. There is value over your life. God has a plan for you. And if you believe that about yourself, you can make a big difference. Make a big difference. Just really quickly, if you didn't know this, John chapter 1 verse 12, I am a child of God. John chapter 15 verse 15, I am a friend with God. Romans 8, I'm not condemned by God. Romans 8, I'm an heir with Christ. Philippians 3.20, I'm a citizen of heaven. 1 John 5, I'm an overcomer in Christ. Colossians 3.12, I've been chosen by God. Ephesians 4.7, I'm holy, blameless before God. Galatians 5, I am a free person. Philippians chapter 4 verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You need to look at yourself when yourself begins to tell you, when other voices around you tell you, you're not going to make it, you're a nobody, your world is going to collapse. You need to tell yourself, yeah, but you don't know who you're talking to. You don't know me. Back up. I'm a somebody. I'm not a nobody. Last two we're going to hit real quick. Take it back. Take it back. And I'm going to tell you the last one. I'm going to hit them both. He's not done yet. David puts on the ephod and he begins to talk to God and he begins to tell God, God, what do I do? Do I go and get the thing back that they took from me? I love that that's David's response because my response would not have been that. My response would have been to put on the ephod and to complain to God. God, how could you let all this bad stuff happen to me? How could you let all this stuff? And oftentimes that is the conversation going on in our mind. How could you have let this get to this place? How could you have done this? I can't believe that you let it get here. You're so dumb. You're so stupid. He doesn't do that. David puts on the ephod and begins to talk to God. And he says, God, do I go? Tell me. And I'll go back and I'll take it. Why is this important? Because this point here is about not dwelling in the past, not dwelling in your mistakes, not dwelling in your shame, not dwelling in what you did or did not do. Just get up and take it back. People are going to try and discourage you. You know why? Because they want to steal your courage. There were people around David who were like, don't do it. Our family's already dead. Can I tell you something about the people who discourage you? The reason why they're discouraging you is because their dream in their mind has already died and they want you to mourn with the death of their dream. Don't mourn with the death of somebody else's dream. You just keep living and chasing your dream, okay? Because you need to be courageous. Take courage. Take it back. Start the business that you've been wanting to start. Go, go back to school. Finish the degree you've been wanting to degree. Open that block you've been wanting to start. Take courage. Step out and do the thing. Pursue it. Chase it. And you need to pump yourself up. Take it back. Have courage. What if it fails? What if it doesn't? You know the things that you'll regret in life are not the things you did. The things that you regret in life when you're 80 on your deathbed are the things you never did. Don't live a life of regret. Look at yourself. Take it back. And the last one is so key. The Israelites or the David, David's people, at the end, let's go, uh, at the end, 1 Samuel chapter 30, 
verse 9 through 10. David and the 600 men with them to the Bezer Valley where some stayed behind. 200 of them were too exhausted to cross the valley. But David and the other 400 continued the pursuit. You know what was at the Bezer Valley? A brook full of water. Here's the story within the story. All 600 men, all 600 men, all 600 men come to this place. They're chasing their family that have been taken and kidnapped. 200 of them stay back and say, you know what? I see some water here. I'm good. You guys keep going. I think our kids are dead anyway. I think our wives are dead anyway. You chase it. I'm a good here, and I'm going to just, just rest, and, and, and I'm going to settle here. This is important to tell yourself in the bad times, like we said last week, that your final, that your finally moment is not your final moment, that what looks like the end of your story just might be the middle of your story. But this is also good to tell yourself in the good moments of life. Because here's what happens. Not everybody's going through a crisis, okay? Not everybody's going through a life-altering shift. Not everybody just lost someone. Not everybody's going through a trial. Some people here this morning are going through good. You know, your life is good. Especially if your life is good. Let me tell you, do not settle because he's not done yet. Don't be like the 200 guys who said, this is far enough. No, there's more for you. There's more for you. So, 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 so you're happy, you have a good income, great. He's not done yet. You're a great mom, a great dad, you got great kids, cool. He's not done yet. I need to tell myself this and our team this when 33 people last Sunday decided to give their life to Jesus. He's not done yet. Don't settle. Don't settle. God's got more. His dreams for you are bigger than your dreams for you. They're, they're so huge. Keep chasing it. Keep pursuing it. God's got more. God's got more. God's got more. God's got more. He's not done yet. And here's the moment. We'll wrap up right now. Here's the moment I've been waiting for. I wanted to, to, to make this an easy way for you to remember this, this message, an easy way for you to remember how to encourage yourself in the difficult times. And I thought, man, what word could I share with them? What word could I put in their soul so that when they leave here, they're thinking, all right, I, I, I remember. I, I don't know if I got all the point, but I remember this. And this is what you do. When I say put it on, you know, when David put on the ephod, he was putting on more than just a garment. When he was talking back to himself, when he was remembering what he'd been through, when he was understanding who he was, when he gave himself courage by taking it back, and when he told himself God wasn't done yet, T-R-U-T-H. He wasn't putting on the ephah, he was putting on truth. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by this message. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. If you would like to share your testimony or if you have any prayer requests, please email us amen at journeyorl.com where we'll have a team of people ready to celebrate with you and pray with you. Also, if you would like to help support the ministry of Journey Church in a financial way, you can do so by visiting journeyorl.com and choosing the giving option or text journeyorl to 77977. We hope you'll join us again soon. Have a great week.